This is episode 24 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up in this episode, retailers have lost their minds. Coach, shrinking to grow. And Alexa is now a fashion stylist. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and as always, I'm joined by Jose Chan. How are you, Jose? Well, how are you, Todd? Hi, everyone. I am good. We have fun today again, I think, coming up. We seem to always pick uh, a few of the fun topics and less serious ones lately, so that's that's good. I think it'll make, make this whole thing a little more interesting. Um, not like it wasn't before, but... You know, uh, so let's let's head right into it. And this week, so today is May fifth, and what I don't I haven't referenced the date in a while, and I guess it's on purpose because we haven't been fully, you know, on the spot with covering the latest and greatest. But that's not really what we're doing anyway. We usually pick out the fun stuff to talk about over maybe a week or two prior, and I think that's fair. And what we did this time for the first topic is we have. Uh, we, we have a couple of our uh, scapegoat retailers that we are going to uh, poke at. And uh, it's not like we're the first ones to, because this was a big news item last week uh, about Nordstrom and their mud-covered jeans. And uh, right when I read this, I thought to myself, and maybe this is me getting old, but have retailers completely lost their marbles? Uh, $425 for a pair of mud-covered jeans, which are called highly distressed, I think they call it. And um, uh, apparently on Twitter and on all their social outlets, so Facebook or whatever, people didn't quite like the idea of that. Uh, and and I kind of get where they're going with this, Jose, and I, I bet you, you can fill in the blank here as to why maybe some people didn't like this. <laughs> well, it, Nordstrom touts it in, uh, as a core benefit, and this is a quote, Benefit. <laughs> cake, caked on, baked in, yeah. muddy smears. It's <laughs> great. I don't know. <laughs> Can I just read? I'm going to read a few tweets, a few of the more popular tweets from um, from a CNBC article here. And so here, here's one from uh, uh, an at Eric Lee Huffman. He says, Nordstrom has jeans with fake mud for $425. What's next? An entire wardrobe that looks like we survived a tiger attack? Okay. Um, let's see here. So this this other one, Erica Ponte, uh, at Erica Ponte, P-O-N-T-E underscore. Uh, the perfect jeans for men who work corporate office jobs but still haven't given up on their dreams of being a cowboy. So you know what? And, and I think that last one kind of sums it up because it's, uh, in my opinion, I think it's I think it's a little extreme and it's a little bit insulting to... Uh, that perhaps that blue collar worker, um, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, um, so I would agree. You know it, what I mean? Fun. It's kind of like Nordstrom going to the extreme here with, uh, it, their style almost saying, okay, yeah, you want to look like a uh, construction worker or whatever they're trying to do there. Then here, put these on, uh, the, you know, yuppie worker guy in the city. That that's right? agrees. And it's a bit extreme, right? At 425. I mean, (laughs) look, I I get distressed and, you know, we've had distressed jeans and sometimes I've had distressed jeans without wanting to have distressed jeans. They're just old. (laughs) They have a 
poke a hole here and there, but uh, I like them, my favorite pair of jeans, but you know, it, it, it looks okay, right? But then to go and and then it takes goes to another extreme, right? The stress jeans, I, you've probably seen them too, mm-hmm. uh, can be purchased that actually have really big tatters in them. And yeah. you actually pay for that. You know premium. what? I would love to see. I would love to see a, maybe this would be a, a Dirty Jobs episode with Mike Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that would be the best way to show how these mud-covered jeans are made. Like, I want to know. I want to know who's making these things and how this works. Like, what's the process of caking on this quote-unquote mud or whatever that substance is they're putting on there? And right. <laughs> how, how does that even work? I have no idea, but I'm really interested in this. And is it consistent? Meaning, does every pair of jeans, is every pair of jeans unique like a snowflake? Yeah. Or do they all look the same? I'm guessing, <clears throat> excuse me, there's slight variations. I'm guessing. There's got to be. Because you, yeah. you can't put mud on jeans the same way every single time. Unless yeah. there's some kind of 3D printer here that's printing on some caked layer. That they <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it, it's retailers reaching, right? Trying to trying to resonate with customers but i don't know we're just and yeah. i'm trying to think of how do you display these things uh with the rest of your jeans from a merchandising aspect right, right. if you're going to put it let's say in your nordstrom men's uh jean or pant department right mm-hmm. uh, how do you going to display mud covered jeans next to the regular you know vanilla? it probably goes next to those other jeans that had the uh the 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 transparent plastic knee covers or whatever it was from a couple of weeks prior. <laughs> Thankfully, that died off pretty quickly. And maybe they can they can hang a, a Calvin Klein underwear dash button next to it. So they, that's a, that's another one of the of the of the crazy things from last week is is Amazon now has a has a dash button for Calvin Klein underwear. <laughs> wow. So I have a dash button. One I have one dash button. And it's for uh, cat litter, okay? Because I feel like maybe I need it every couple weeks and I can just, you know, as I see it's empty, I press it and I get a couple days. But what's the situation where you'd need a dash button for underwear? I I mean, if you're going through underwear that fast where you really can't plan out (laughs) (laughs) the rate at which you consume the underwear or burn through them or whatever's happening in those underwear, then there might be some other problems. So maybe look at yeah. that. Yeah, I think, you know what? If nothing else, they're <laughs> getting what they want from this, which is people talking about it, right? right. People may not. You're exa- and that's exactly right. I think that's, what's, that's what the whole point is here, right? Exactly, because it's like, oh my that's goodness, did you hear about this? It's kind of like a Norse from Cake Jeans. Maybe that's not intentional, but in this case here, it's like, I could see how, to your point, you know, you take something that you don't need as often, not a quick turnaround, if you will, in terms of how many you need right. <laughs> on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, that you're like, let me just create this dash button. Uh, I, I know it's not going to improve sales, but you know what? Word of mouth is going to spread out there. Right on. And if nothing else, Calvin Klein will be top of mind. Exactly. Of it's free advertising. It's brand awareness. Even if there's negativity to it, and I don't think we're being negative. I think it's I think I think that's funny, actually. I really do think it's great. I think it's funny and and awesome. Uh the Nordstrom thing is just dumb. But um, you know, whatever. It, it, they do what they want. They've got their own styles and and sure. you know, things that they need to do to get people's attention and 
they, I don't think they got the attention. I don't think Nordstrom got the attention they wanted with that. And I don't know if it really benefited them in the way that maybe Calvin Klein is, is benefiting off of the dash button. Because sure. it's more funny than, right. than dumb. Right. And plus the other, the, the news is that they wanted to be the first, right? Because this is, Calvin Klein is the first apparel brand uh, to have a dash button mm -hmm. uh, among the 40 new brands that were added. Right, which include uh, other, let's say, consumer product goods that are non-apparel items. Right, and it's been mostly CPG stuff, right? It's been yeah. mostly that, less of the apparel. So, this this is maybe ties into um, Amazon's push on the apparel side, anyway. Right, we all know it's no secret that they're expanding their apparel presence, and it has every apparel-focused retailer uh, shaking in their boots right now because of Amazon's ability to scale and spread with uh, with that, and then this this button. For Calvin Klein underwear is probably just a, you know, it's a lob, signal lob in a way, just saying, hey, look yeah, what we can do. Exactly. Plus, I mean, mm -hmm. if you think about it, a lot of the CPG products that are on there tend to be replacement items, or if you will, in the retail vernacular, basics. Mm -hmm. And so underwear is a basic, doesn't really change. It shouldn't change. I mean, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's like detergent. So they figured, well, this is a good item to put here as something to make some, you know, headway with in terms of just uh, PR because uh, usually the things that you have on there as you said it could be cat litter it could be detergent it could right. be toothpaste right. uh, it, it could be anything that you just need to replace it could be soft drinks uh, water uh, it could even be aspirin yeah right? all those so, make sense right yeah this one's just a little incongruous like yeah <laughs> no no it doesn't I'm, never, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be thinking about this all day now I can't, <laughs> I can't deal <laughs> anyway well, I mean, uh, look, the big meta point here that I think the big takeaway for these two stories, and I think we talked about this uh, pre-show, was that, look, retailers need all the publicity they could get in this uh, paradigm shift that we're undergoing. So any any news uh, that doesn't speak to declining sales or that is PR worthy, I think, uh, is positive for them. For sure. For sure. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Coach, um, and we can move away from underwear and mud-covered jeans and whatever else. But this is we can actually talk about something relatively serious here, and 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 talk about how well Coach has executed the concept of trimming down, um, meaning trimming down their store, their physical presence, to actually benefit them from an earnings perspective, profits, right? So we we've been we've been actually talking about this as have, as have uh, been other podcasts and and news outlets about how retailers, uh, whether it's specialty retailers or or high fashion, fast fashion, well, not so much those guys, but there's been a a, a decline in the amount of stores um, in general for various reasons. I think uh, it seems like most of the reasons why the stores are shuttering are for um, almost non forward looking reasons, almost like we just can't keep them open anymore. We, you know, we're doing this because we're reacting to um, poor performance. But it seems like what, what's happened with Coach here is that they planned this and they actually strategically shut down some stores to perhaps free up cash or to lower operating expenses, you know, the basics, right? Um, so that they perform better. Now, long-term, I don't know how that's going to work out for them. But short-term... As we saw on Tuesday, um, when they talked about uh, their better-than-expected profits, 
uh, on CNBC and, and other news outlets that their their stock went up. It took a nice jump upwards, and it seems like investors and those in the world of retail are looking at that as a really good example of how to you know trim down your physical store presence while still being a productive retailer and maybe a smarter retailer. Exactly, and I think look, we're seeing as you're saying we're seeing this more and more. And part of it is the fact that they are effectively realigning their store network uh, with customer expectations. Um, more concretely, what am I really saying? Essentially, that because digital, let's call it digital, I'm not going to call it online, but we'll call it digital, which is right. e-commerce, it's um, e-com, etc., is growing, uh, that it's overtaking, you know, their retail business to a certain extent. We know the statistic um, that's pretty standard, which is roughly 90% of revenues on average for retailers are produced uh, in a brick and mortar um, environment, whereas the balance 10% is in a digital environment. So I think they're readjusting to the reality where you're seeing this 10% increasing for them, right, and diminishing uh, in their brick and mortar fleet. Therefore, this is a positive, let's say, move that is, to your point, uh, reflective and thought out into the future. And I think we, we saw this as well, if not mistaken, it was uh, Bed Bath & Beyond right. that did something like this as well. Yep, they did. I mean, I don't, you know, it's it, because Wall Street, you know, gave them the thumbs up for that, you know, uh, they, they know the reasons why the their profits went up. Maybe this is going to be the kind of thing more retailers execute on that way. And maybe this could be the trend uh, in general, which it has been. I mean, there's the store closings are less of a shock as of late. But maybe this is this is the way retailers are going, being smarter about the stores they have open and how they're how they're using them, and um, and like you said, how they balance the physical and digital. Yeah, yeah. I think look, it, it's a, it's for sure a trend, and they're not, they're not the first, and they're certainly not going to be the last. I think we're going to see more and more of this as uh, the year progresses. Because if, essentially, it's that, that this is the shift. And finally, finally, um, investors are actually on board with the medium to long-term outlook of a given retailer. That is, they're not being punished for taking a hit because there is an expense, to your point, mm -hmm. that would take a hit on profit, right? But essentially, right now, we're, it's a survival game. And only... Uh, the the companies that are well positioned uh, and are kind of let's say getting better from their flu, which is what they have right now, yep. are going to make it through. And those that do not take care of themselves by reducing their store fleet like this, or invest in technologies or processes or that will help them in the medium to long term, essentially are going to fall into a pneumonia mode, which ultimately will put them into a chapter 11 type of scenario. So I think people are realizing this in the investment community. And that, that's probably why we saw the surge in stock price. Absolutely. And this is their, their price is actually just at, <clears throat> well, was just at about their 52 week high, which was last August to so August 1st, 2016. It was at 43, 46. And on May 2nd, it went from 38, I'm going to say around 38 to 4315. Um, and it's corrected a little bit since then. But, you know, it's great. That's And it's been a year of of turmoil, it looks like, for them in terms of their stock price. 
Yeah, yeah. going all the way down to around 34, even a little bit less than that um, a few months ago. So no doubt, this is this I, is all good news for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, if you have to think, let, let's put it in context. I mean, they used to be the darling of the apparel industry or accessories uh, component of, let's say, fashion, of the fashion industry. And then they actually went through a period of overexpansion where their stock price plummeted. And more recently, as you rightfully pointed out, within the last few months, they've been able to kind of pull out of that downtrend that they had. But the other point that we should make is that there is also talk that they may purchase uh, or make another acquisition and purchase Kate Spade or shoe manufacturer Jimmy Choo, which are both on the Mm -hmm. selling block right now. Mm -hmm. If this were to happen, these would be positive moves for them, which again, uh, there's a good likelihood, but it's not guaranteed that one of these two transactions or deals may go through. And if it does, it could be a positive, let's say, thing for Coach Inc., which again is factored into the stock price, uh, which is forward-looking. So, Coach is is kind of um. I don't I don't know if you'd refer to that. Do you think they're luxury? I mean, do you think they're truly luxury? I think they're kind of that mid-level, very affordable, um, borderline luxury for for those that don't want to spend the you know the the, the I guess the money beyond that for a higher sure. a higher level brand, right? And that's not an insult. That's a that's a I think it's a more of a fact. But it looks like with with perhaps picking up a Kate Spade or a Jimmy Choo, it might bring them up a level or attempt to, right? And yeah. I don't know if that's the direction they're thinking of going, especially if they're trimming stores down, trying to make themselves perhaps a little bit more rare in a way. Sure. Well, I think mm-hmm. they, to your point, let's go on that last point. They weren't rare uh, with right. the opening of all the outlet shops, right? So if uh, then, then that's a fine balance that you'll uh, run into as you as investors expect growth. Um, the ability to have the mystique and the uniqueness that you once had by not, uh, let's say, oversaturating the market with your products, be it um, via wholesale uh, distribution channels, outlets, or full-price retail stores becomes tricky. Uh, To your earlier point, where do they stand in the marketplace? I would put them in the category of what we call aspirational luxury. I know luxury is an overused term, but that, that's what they were known as, meaning it's luxury and it's, a uh, let's say, a not inexpensive product, but it, it's at the opening price point of uh, the luxury product category, but aspirational in the sense that you could actually attain it, right? It, it's not so far out of reach. Mm-hmm. And within their competitive set, you would have a Michael Kors. So they're a direct competitor of Coach. Let's say within the non-direct, a non-direct competitor, but still within the same, let's say, segment of the accessories uh, as, let's say, handbag business, you'd have Kate Spade. Same, roughly, you know, in the same price point, roughly, points rather, but a different customer. So the image of the, let's say, uh, woman and or man purchasing their products is a little bit different for both, mm-hmm. right? Kate Spade just has a different, if you will, using our tech speak, persona. Right. Uh, in addition, it, what you, you would see is Kate Spade would complement and would be a distinct consumer than your coach, existing co- coach consumer, which is a positive. Jimmy Choo, to your point, would actually, if that were 
acquired would give them, a, let's say, halo effect because they're much, they're much since they're premium, uh, it would kind of they could do collaborations. I could see them doing different things, and it's not something. Uh, it's a strong enough brand, which which would be awesome for them. So either way, it would be a win-win for Coach um, in terms of profit, potentially. Yeah, I mean, they could possibly reallocate some of those profits to an acquisition, right? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, let's see what happens after all this and see where they go. We will keep our eyeballs on that for sure. Last topic, let's move into uh, a little bit more tech talk here. So we, we've been um, less, we've been less tech focused in this episode, uh, but I think this will, this will help satisfy that. Alexa, so our, our well, arguably um, our favorite, maybe not our, our, but a favorite um, artificial intelligence, uh, personal assistant device. We have that out there and we have Google Home, um, but Amazon is dipping into the fashion world with Alexa. So not only is this Alexa that we're referring to here, this Echo Look, um, it has a camera and also helps people really judge what they're wearing and they can share what they're wearing and offer options and comparisons to others and create their own lookbook. So this is pretty cool. I mean, this certainly, this, this, Alexa being a fashion stylist or a fashion assistant um, is is actually very interesting to me. I mean, it sounds like this could for a certain market or for a certain individual type or uh, or a certain age age bracket or however they'd want to divvy it up. This could do pretty well. And, um, you know, this isn't available yet, Jose, right? But it is uh, a pre-purchase type thing or a uh, get on the list type thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they're, they're, that's smart, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of what they did, as you said, with Alexa, but it's also a strategy used um, uh, by Guild Group back in 2008, right? Which is by invitation only, because that creates, at least in, in fashion mm-hmm. apparel, it creates this uh, desire to have something you can't have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When did this come out? This was a week and a half ago ish, right? Or a week yes. ago? About a week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. About a week ago. I'm wondering how long did they say when this is, uh, there's no announcement as to when it's actually available, right? No, no. Yeah. All it says is there's an invitation. You have to request an invitation to purchase one. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, uh, it, this, I mean, this looks like a, a very different device than the current Amazon Echo is this tall cylinder, cylindrical looking thing. Um, it has no camera, no nothing. It has a glowy ring on it and reacts to when you talk or when you call. Alexa or whatever your your tag name is for it, um, the the smaller version of uh, the Echo or Alexa, um, I keep getting confused. The Echo <laughs> uh, is is more of a hockey puck looking thing. So very different than what we have with this. And we'll have a picture of this in the show notes, and you can just go just do a quick search for it, and it's up on Amazon anyway. But this looks more like a almost looks like more of a of a webcam slash. Uh, video kind of surveillance device for your house, right? Uh, it doesn't look like your, you know, your, your typical personal assistant. Yeah, no, exactly. And what's interesting, it's it's they they, they touted it as a personal lookbook. So, mm-hmm. it, when you, once you select two photos that you take of yourself, 
um, Alexa is going to determine which one's better, right? So this is interesting because now oh, what I didn't we're seeing, yeah, yeah, that that that's how it works. And so what it does is it's uh, powered by machine learning technology, and it, obviously you'd have to have some sort of a human opinion or fashion stylist, uh, let's say, input somehow. Uh, and so it says a spokesperson from Amazon said that the results consider, and here's the quote, fit, color, styling, seasons, and current trends. Oh, yeah. Style check. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so Amazon's, quote, fashion specialists help train the software to be a better judge of style, right? And that, that's really interesting. So there isn't a whole lot in terms of the technical details be behind um, this, let's say, automated uh, fashion judge, yeah. if you will. But uh, the question it does raise, which is interesting, right, from a um, technology standpoint, is how fashion um, and AI impact our decision making personally. Right. Right. And now how it's becoming really personalized, truly, to a certain extent. Right. Because it's fashion is indeed very personal uh, and, it, and it's very individual. It's unique. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as long as this thing isn't slinging insults. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> can you imagine oh yeah yeah uh yeah so it's uh it, i mean it looks great I, I think this is very interesting yeah it's 200 bucks though so you got to be really into um into wanting this in your in your wardrobe closet or in your bedroom um but this does certainly satisfy a specific need and you know i you know all of us i think are always questioning how does this look on me should i wear a different shirt what about these pants? Hmm. I'm going for something that's kind of casual, but not too casual because, you know, I don't know what kind of stuff you can, you can tell Alexa in this case or how you can, you know, when you take the picture, how is it going to determine how you look when it doesn't maybe know the context of what you need to look good for? Right. Right. The so occasion. maybe exactly. there's more of that. Is there, is there an occasion option, Jose? Is, do you know that? No, I don't no. know that. Hmm. I wonder if there is. But maybe maybe that's this is the first generation of it or the first revision of it where it says, okay, you know, based on your build, everything it can see, right? You can see your height, maybe. You can judge your height based on maybe there's some type of calibration that takes place initially. Yeah. And uh, you put your, you know, your vitals in, in a way. And it, exactly. uh, right? And it yeah, decides if sense. something looks baggy on you or too tight or wrong color right. based on your skin tone or whatever, whatever. Right. So, or depending on your height, does a certain type of skirt. Right. look good on you right like if you're shorter generally you'd probably want to use something uh a, some, a skirt that's above the knee generally right. right because it just keeps you in proportion right. whereas if you were to if you're shorter and you're a woman and you're wearing a a skirt a long one would kind of whack you out of balance right? right it doesn't look proportionally right yeah so it seems like those are the the firm types of <clears throat> decision making and and uh feedbacks you could get from uh from alexa in that case right 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 and, it, it, and that's all very subjective right so that that's what's really interesting right because everything we just said tends to be really subjective and we could call them uh let's say parameters uh that have to go into it but beyond those parameters for the context of a given occasion or uh season or time of year etc it changes right and depending where you live because uh, that would also affect weather uh, of what you should wear and does it have a weather um, mm -hmm. 
let's say, telling you it's going to rain, so maybe you shouldn't uh, wear, or maybe you should wear flip-flops, don't know. <laughs> but maybe it's cold and it's going to rain, so then you wouldn't wear flip-flops, but rain boots. This this will get call? yeah. I mean, this is going to get very interesting when um, when AI and machine learning and um, and all that can consume or recognize human emotion, right? I mean, that's going to be the that's going to be the kicker here, I think. And we we seem to be getting very close to that, um, where we are. Uh, was it Apple or was it um, was it Google or it must have been one of them that was talking about how there's initial initial capabilities. I think it was Google. Um, there's initial, uh, essentially a program there and a, and, and, a, and a camera set up. It's very rudimentary and it requires lots of, lots of, um, lots of, uh, elements on your face in order to detect, uh, various muscle movements and things like that. Or at least there's, it needs a special setup and or a special environment to be able to work correctly, but being able to detect human emotion and kind of how you're feeling at the moment with clothes on or, just in general, you know, so that so with with the feedback Alexa would give you in this case, it would include a uh, consumption of your emotional state and look at how you're feeling in general about what you're wearing and kind of add that in the mix in a way. Um, you know what I mean? Like it could just yeah. it adds some um, an element to it that's that's not firm based on based on numbers and sizes and styles and colors, but uh, more emotional. And that's that's going to be the key here because that's what. Uh, Right, fashion has always been an expression of of emotion in a way. So yeah. once technology can catch up and recognize that, then that might be the point where it really catches. Right, and and to your point, look, what we're seeing, what we're witnessing, is the beginning of of something far reaching into the future of of the way we perhaps interact. It, it seems a little sci fi, right? But maybe this will this goes into that whole idea that you, you don't really need a human being to tell you what. Uh, what to wear or what looks good on you, which actually ties back into uh, digression, of course. But the future of work, what 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 is this going to replace or enhance? Big question mark. Don't know. But that, I think that's where this is going, at least with this this type of technology. Yeah, I want to try it. I would love to get my hands on one. I'm really into it now. <laughs> i'm not going to pay 200 dollars. anyone that knows me knows i'm not going to pay 200 dollars for this just because it just you know I, I i i would just buy a google home because i feel like i'm already connected in that you know in that world but um and but i still would love to try it i want to experience it what is you know what is the experience like with this because that's going to be the important thing you know is it seamless and smooth and i think we will just have to find out as as it's adopted and maybe we'll have to somehow get our hands on one and Maybe do a review. That'd be fun. That would be awesome. That would be yeah, great. Would be fun. But I'm not, I'm not sure how it'll fare with me, right? If I if I were a variation of a beige pant every day with a variation of a blue shirt every day, how is it going to tell me? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Who knows? I, I, you know, I feel like I wear the same thing all the time. So maybe for guys, it's going to be, unless you're very eclectic, it's going to be a little, uh, little less useful. But we, we will see. We will see. But hey, Jose, that's a show. And... Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening uh, once again. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We're also on Twitter and whatever other social media outlet you can find. Well, not really, because we're not on Instagram or anything like that. But Twitter's the best place to find us if you want to get interactive. Um, but wherever else you have uh, your favorite podcast apps, 
uh, and podcasts in general. But until next time, take care, and we'll see you in episode 25.